Hackett has the ball. Trojans in transition. Penrose is alone. They get it to Penrose for the three. Welcome to Believe in USC Basketball, everyone. My name is Aiden Berg, and today I'm joined by my co-host, Christopher Penrose. Chris, how are you doing today? Awesome. How are you doing? I'm, I'm doing well. Uh, it's a bit of a, a better situation for USC than it was uh, when we recorded this show last week. Uh, and we're going to talk about the Cal game that USC won 76-68. And then later on today, we're going to be talking about the Oregon State and Stanford games that are going to be coming up. And then maybe touch a little bit on how uh, we feel like COVID has really affected this team, maybe specifically to USC. And, and uh, you know, we'll, we'll just see how uh, Chris feels about that as a former player. So I'm excited to, to get going with the podcast today. And let's start with that Cal game. As I said, 76 to 68, USC won at Cal on Saturday. I think that the, uh, the major takeaway was that it was a very chippy, very physical game. Isaiah Mobley got into it with Andre Kelly a few times that a tech called on Kelly for that uh, post-foul push, I guess. Uh, that mm-hmm. certainly probably got a few Cal fans up in arms for how it ended up, you know, kind of hurting them a little bit more, I think, than it did USC. And then I think the other main takeaway is that Evan Mobley just kind of took over the game and really showed why he is and NBA lottery prospects, 25 and eight, two steals, two blocks, bunch of free throws down the stretch that, uh, you know, may, may have set some of our concerns about free throws aside, uh, at least as it, as it uh, relates to him. So Chris, what did you think about that game? Yeah. So right away, you could tell that Cal was going to be physical. Uh, if there's a knock on, on USC, you know, you could really point to, you know, how, you know, other than like an Ethan Anderson uh, or even an Isaiah White who has some muscle on him, the Trojans are pretty thin. And, you know, this has been one of my concerns with, you know, the past few years uh, of, of USC basketball is these guys just don't seem to get much bigger. And when they play against, you know, stronger, more physical teams, they, they get pushed around and they get dominated quite a bit. Uh, and I think Cal looked at that and they kind of said, Hey, let's go out and let's push these guys around. And that leads right into what you were saying about kind of the chippiness, the back and forth. Uh, Cal was not going to back down. And I was very pleased to see uh, SC not backing down. And I thought Enfield did a really good job of trying to keep, you know, Isaiah Mobley's what's about him um, and, uh, and not have these guys, you know, kind of play into that too much. Um but it was definitely something that that Cal brought to the table, and I, I thought the Trojans responded quite well. Uh, and you talk about free throws, you know. I mean, it's amazing how this game was. You know, I can't even imagine how many lead changes there were, uh, but I bet you it was over, you know, eighteen, nineteen lead changes in the game. Um, and you know, you make your free throws, and a close one to two point game turns into you know almost a almost a double digit lead. I mean, they won by eight. Um, and the game was a lot closer than, than an eight point victory. Uh, so I, I was very pleased with that as well. Um, and you know, one of the things that, you know, you and I were, were tweeting about during the game was, you know, Ethan Anderson's comeback, yep. you know, it, it was, it was fun to see him really get into the flow of the game. I mean, if you watched the first couple of games that he came back, uh, you know, teams were leaving him wide open and he had some, he had some pretty ugly air balls and, uh, you know, some bad shots, but it was just because he was getting the rust off. And now you kind of see him kind of flow with this lineup a little bit more. 
Um, he hit some big threes. He had some big plays. His defense was spectacular down the stretch. Um, and it's, it's going to be very interesting to see, you know, what Enfield does with this starting lineup moving forward. Um, does an Isaiah white come off the bench? Does Drew Peterson come off the bench? You know, he didn't play particularly well, uh, against Cal. He went one of eight from the field. Oh, of three from the three point line. Um, just not one of his best games. Uh, but you know, this team's deep. Um, and you, you know, when, when Noah Bowman, uh, comes off the bench and only gets five minutes and he was, you know, a starter for San Jose state, their leading scorer. Um, and you know, he, he transferred into SC thinking he would, he would get 18, 20 minutes a game and he can barely get five right now. Like this team can go, go deep into their bench. Um, and I, 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 I'm very excited to see, uh, this team continue to gel and work together as Ethan Anderson kind of works back into that lineup. Yeah, I think there's one thing that we know for sure is that Tajidi isn't going to the bench, right? He was the other one who provided some major scoring output for that game, 18 points. Uh, and, and he and Evan Mobley were really kind of the go-to guys. And I think that that makes sense, just how this how this season has kind of gone along. Those have been two of the more most consistent, I guess I would say, sources of offense, even if Evan Mobley does have his games where he will take like three shots or something like that. Um, th- those are going to be the guys that are probably going to be their best scorers. So I think, you know, Andy Enfield has always seems to have these decisions to make about who is going to play when, you know, it's um, last year when he had the three, the three big guys in Isaiah Mobley, Big O and Nick Rakosovic, he had to make a decision to not play all of them at the same time, which I I think was always going to be the decision, but he did give it a try at the beginning of the season. And I think uh, Elijah Weaver was another example of one of those decisions that he had to make where he had to uh, send him to the bench uh, as like a, uh, a source of offense from there. And I think, you know, Ethan Anderson is not Elijah Weaver. So you have to play the personalities and see what would work out best for that. But I do think that it would, it makes sense to always have someone in the game who can create uh, and, and Ethan Anderson and Tajidi are really the two perimeter guys who can do that for USC. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Ethan continuing to to come off the bench. Yeah, and and to have Tajidi as a two guard where he can have a little bit more flow and come off screens and that's true and not have to create off the dribble because uh, in my opinion he's our best shooter. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as much as you know we can have Ethan Anderson at the point and be able to dribble drive create. Uh, more open shots for Taj. I think that's just going to help him and and have him thrive in this offense. And I thought we saw a lot of that against Cal, and I hope we see more of it. And then just touching on Evan Mobley, I mean, he just had a monster game. And whether it was you know just continuing to crash the boards, you know, a lot of his jump hooks and the paint are fantastic. But what really stood out to me is you know Cal wasn't shy about putting him on the free throw line. I mean, he had 15 free throws and made 12 of them. And if he can continue to do that, I mean, the kid's like unstoppable. Um, I played with a guy, uh, my freshman and sophomore year at SC, his name was Jeff McMillan. He's a transfer from Hofstra. He was a big, you know, six, nine, uh, you know, two eighty almost, uh, power forward, uh, great, great skills in the paint, good touch around the rim. Uh, but his biggest thing was free throws and, you know, teams would, he would catch the ball in the post and before he could even move, they would foul him, put him on the free throw line. He, you know, especially if it was a one-on-one situation and, and he was, that, that was a big issue. Um, and there are teams that are going to foul big guys 
kind of like the hack a shack because you know, if you miss two free throws or if you miss the front end of a one-on-one, that's a turnover. And, and the fact that he can go to the free throw line and make 12 of 15, um, that's just going to make him, make him even better. Um, it, it, that's really exciting. That that's what I'm, I'm really pumped about. And he did it down the stretch too. He basically iced the game from the free throw line, right? Mm-hmm. It, was a lot, it, exactly. it was a lot of shots down the stretch and obviously he accounted for a lot of this, but 20, 21 for 27 overall from the free throw line for USC is encouraging. It's not perfect. Obviously uh, there's still a lot of room to get better, but from where they were coming from, especially the loss against uh, Oregon state last week um, mm-hmm. is a lot better. So that's uh, I, I feel like a good segue into our, our preview for the upcoming two games. Uh, obviously USC's game against Oregon was postponed due to cases and COVID cases in the Oregon program. And we can touch a little bit on that later, but that means that we are looking ahead to Oregon state on Thursday and then Stanford who we already just did a preview on, but we'll give you a light refresher, but starting with Oregon state, I think the most important part of this is maybe that this is the first team that USC will be playing for the second time this season coming off that 58 to 56 loss pretty, pretty recently. So a lot of that, I think, is going to be fresh. That was a very frustrating game for USC, for sure. And so I think the the key to me, when you look at that scoreline from last time and looking ahead to what this game is going to be, is the X factor is going to be Ethan Anderson because they needed that extra guy who could really create. And I don't think that he was quite all the way back at that point. Yeah, totally agree. And if you recall, that that first half was a pretty ugly first half for the Trojans after they went up 8-0. Yeah. Uh, they went 0 of 9 from the three-point line. And this was one of their worst free-throw shooting games of the year, shooting 55% and missed some big uh, front ends of one-on-ones and some big free-throws down the stretch You know, in, in a two-point loss. Now, Oregon State's going to want to slow this game down and keep it in the high 50s, low 60s. That's what they did last time, and that's where they were successful. They're going to lock in on defense. They're going to, you know, try to get out in the passing lane and they're going to swarm Evan Mobley. Now, I I do hope that this game will be much different. Um, SC will be at home. And even though there are no fans, you know, they're comfortable in the Galen Center. You know, with Oregon State, it's really going to start and stop with Ethan Thompson and Jared Lucas. If those guys, you know, those are their their top two leading scorers, uh, you know, their, their best two defenders, if SC can limit them, uh, maybe get them in foul trouble a little early. Uh, SC should be able to take control of this game. Now, Oregon State's coming off a big upset win against Oregon. Yep. Um, and so they're going to be flying high. And if and and then looking forward to Stanford, uh, you know, they're coming off a, their, their biggest win of the season against UCLA with three of their best players out, which is incredible. Uh, you know, Dejan Davis, who's a senior, Bryce Wills, who's a junior, and, you know, they're, they're, you know, five-star freshman Zaire Williams all didn't play against UCLA. Um, and, and I don't know if you watched that game, but it was pretty incredible to watch Stanford just completely take the air out of the ball. They would play great defense. UCLA was one shot and done. Stanford would walk the ball up. They basically used the entire shot clock and then they would get good shots at the end of that, at the end of the shot clock. And, you know, Michael O'Connell, who's a freshman point guard for Stanford, I don't know what's going to happen with, with Davis, Wills and Williams. If they're going to play again, uh, if, if, you know, if there were some personal reasons going on I heard there were some injury reasons going on, but Stanford was pretty, pretty quiet about it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Michael O'Connell did actually a very good job managing the game. Uh, he hit some big shots. 
Um, Jaden Delaire, who kind of came out of nowhere. I thought he played really well. Um, and Oscar De Silva had an amazing performance. But the one thing about that Stanford team, if you take out those three guys, is they, they don't shoot the ball well from the three. Um, I'm actually kind of surprised UCLA didn't move to some sort of a zone and really push and force Stanford to beat them from the three point line. The only guy that can really shoot in that lineup is Spencer Jones, who's erratic at best from the three point line. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, Stanford, this is the first time SC seen them, their games against Stanford have both been postponed. Um, and, and, you know, if, if those three guys play, it's going to be a very interesting game. Uh, if not, uh, SC is just going to have to push the tempo as much as they can um, and, and kind of scramble Scamford as much as possible. Yeah, I'm uh, I, I'm very disappointed that that Oregon game, Oregon game was postponed because I felt like this was going to be such a crucial stretch and probably a season-defining stretch for USC when you look at their schedule because they were mm-hmm. looking at a rematch with Oregon State and then Oregon, who has been the highest ranked team in the conference or second highest ranked team in the conference. And then Stanford, who we all know about their talent. You just laid it all out. And then UCLA, uh, ob- obviously a rivalry game. And then also the Bruins are one of the top teams in the conference. So I, you know, it's still going to be a crucial stretch because you're only, you're only postponing the Oregon game. And who knows when that could be. It could be coming up again very soon. Mm-hmm. Um, but... I, I, I was really looking forward to seeing how USC responded to these four games right here. Cause I think it will, it will really decide. And, and I think that the Oregon state game is really kind of the key to it. Uh, not just because it kind of kicks off this stretch against some of the better teams, but also because I, I don't think a lot of people were anticipating Oregon state being uh, quite this good, you know, uh, you know, certainly have, have talent, have, have won games in, in the past, but um, I, I think that, it was expected that they would lose to USC in that game. And and the fact that they, like you said, are coming off a win over rival Oregon, who is generally considered to be the better team, um, I, I think shows that they are, are more of a threat than people thought in this conference. Yeah, totally agree. And, you know, if you look at the standings right now, I mean, SC six and two at second place in the conference, UCLA is eight and one. It's, it's so frustrating that SC dropped that game at Oregon state because they could have won it sitting at seven and one and just, you know, half game out of first place. Um, you know, like you said, this is a big stretch coming up for USC. If they can, if they can put together a string of wins here, um, and UCLA, you know, drops a couple, uh, you know, I think they could be in a very good position to win this conference. Yeah, definitely. And, and then, you know, in terms of another hot stretch, you know, this is pretty far off at this point, but they also do finish the season with Arizona State, Arizona, Colorado, Utah, and UCLA. And those last three games are all uh, road games. So that's going to be another key stretch. I think that we're just looking at the remaining of this schedule for USC is probably going to be a lot more difficult than the, the first half of it, right? And yeah. so I think now is maybe a good time to talk about how COVID has like really affected this team because you push away the, the Stanford game, you push off the Oregon game. They had three weeks at the towards the beginning of the season, basically when they weren't working together as a former player, how do you look at that and say, you know, how, how, how do they even handle that? I, I, I'm, I, you know, I, I don't think that you ever had anything that was quite like that in your career, but you can, you know, kind of talk about how, you feel like that would affect you because basketball is such a rhythm game, right? 
Exactly. And, and there, there are two components to it, right? There's, there's the mental component and then there's the physical component. Mm-hmm. And at this time of the year, practices are short. Uh, it's really more cerebral, especially as you start seeing these teams a second time, you're watching a lot of film. Uh, you're, you're, you're trying to put together pieces that you were not good out in the first game uh, that you need to improve on in the second game. Uh, and, and it really becomes more mental than everything. Um, it, it, and so when, like you said, the rhythm, if you go out, you practice, you get shots up, you do a lot of walkthroughs of what teams are doing different sets. And when you take away a game, especially, you know, the Thursday, Saturday games are great because you, you have one game on Thursday and whether it's a winner or loss, you get to kind of reset for one day and then you play again right after that. Um, Mm -hmm. so short memory, you're right back in the flow and to take away that game is tough. Now, luckily for USC, you know, they have Stanford scheduled, uh, for Tuesday. So you don't have to, you know, wait a full week to go Thursday to Thursday. They will have a game on Tuesday against Stanford, which will help them out a little bit. Um, but I can't imagine what these poor kids have to go through. And, you know, if you like the, the postponement against Stanford last week, they were at, they were all warming up together. Like talk, talk about, you know, a mind screw there that you're sitting there warming up, you're trying to get prepared. And then, you know, 15 minutes before tip off, they come out and say, Hey, game's canceled. Like that, that really messes with your head. Um, And that would, I mean, that was a concern for me going into Cal is, will they, will they be ready? Um, And you know, they, they came out hot, but then they kind of faltered and it, it, mentally I can't, my heart just breaks for these kids because it's gotta be so tough and these kids can't see their families and they can't see their friends and they're in their own little bubble and all they have is basketball right now. And when that gets taken away, it, it it's just, it, it's gotta be just brutal for them. And I, I, the coaching staff who's working overtime uh, to try to get everything set up and then, you know, to, to have to shift mindsets to another team because the game was postponed or canceled. It's just, it, it it's so difficult for everyone involved. And I, I just feel just awful for them. Yeah. It's certainly a battle of attrition right at this point. I mean, we are going into month, I don't know, 11, 10 of, of the, of the coronavirus pandemic. And obviously they haven't been playing college basketball for all of that. But um, I I think that there is just a level of uh, tiredness that would exist not only for a basketball team, but just for everyone basically in the country, in the world at this point. Mm -hmm. And then you, you just, you have to add on to that, the stresses of being, you know, a major, you know, contending in their conference power five, uh, basketball team and, and all, all the stuff that goes with that that's already normally stressful I certainly I certainly hear you on that one and I, and I agree it's um, got to be a tough situation uh, f- for them to handle but I you know I think that they've done they've done pretty well to to be where they are um, obviously everyone else is pretty much in the same scenario but um, I, I certainly view it as you know People would talk about like, oh, the Lakers championship was a Mickey Mouse championship. Uh, you know, I, I don't I don't get that at all. I think that yeah. it makes it more impressive what these guys are, are doing, given the circumstances. Agreed. The other thing that I wanted to ask you was the fact that these are home games. Uh, do you feel like that makes it even more even more crucial that, you know, in this upcoming stretch that they really come through and, and get. Uh, when do you feel like they have to sweep this stretch to 
you know, be, be there at the end of the season for the conference championship? I think so. I mean, I think, you know, you got to win all your home games. Like those, that's where you're the most comfortable. It's where you practice three to four days a week. Um, it's where the majority of your home games are. Home games are kind of the the easy wins if if there is such thing as an easy win uh, in your conference. Mm-hmm. So you got to win your home games, um, and then and then you go make your money on the road. Uh, but but home stretches are huge, and you know you talked about the the you know the last few games on the road at the end of this year against big time teams, you know, SC was lucky in that, you know, last year at this time, trying to go in to the PAC 12 tournament with a high seed and to get an at large berth, they had to beat Arizona state, Arizona and UCLA all at home. Mm-hmm. And they needed a very strong end of the conference season and they did it. Um, and they had this mindset of, Hey, we win these three games. We're in. And, and you, you got to take that on the road with you and you, you, you got, you got to do it. Um, but to get back to your point on home games, they need to win all these home games here on out. There's, there's no room for error. I mean, if you look at the conference standings, you know, SC's in second place at six and two, Arizona is right behind them at six and three Colorado is tied with them at six and three Oregon's four and two, you know, like it, there's a pretty big log jam up at the top there. And if you screw up, you know, at home, it's going to be much harder on the road. So you got to win your home games. Yeah. And I think you look at those, those final three games again, like I said, uh, at Colorado kicks off that, that final three game stretch, which is going to be really tough because USC already lost to them at home, you know, somewhat handily. Um, and USC is you know, a better team at this point in the season, I think than they were then, but uh you know, going in there and, and trying to beat Colorado is going to be very tough. And then I know they already beat Utah, but uh that's always a tough place to play no matter what sport it is basically um and going going on that that uh that mountain trip is always tough and then you end at ucla which um you know we, we know how it how it usually goes in that game i, I think that mm-hmm. the the season ender between usc and ucla the last i don't know basically since i've been in school i'm a senior and the last three years i think every single one of those finishing games has come down to the wire so yeah. we just know and how that goes right and how great would that be if that that game is for the outright champion of the conference that's uh, what i'm hoping for that would be incredible it would be it would be somewhat uh somewhat bitter that we wouldn't be able to have fans at, at the game yeah. uh I, I guess maybe not so so better because it's at ucla <laughs> <laughs> um but certainly uh would be would be a very fun viewing experience for um for tv i want to end here by asking you uh for one player on on stanford and and oregon state uh for these upcoming two games that you want uh that you think that usc fans should look out for so for oregon state ethan thompson's really their guy i mean Mm -hmm. he's a southern california guy he's averaging almost 38 minutes a game the dude basically never comes out uh he can shoot the three he's got a great mid-range game he crashes the boards um, and he's their leading scorer. Um, he's, you know, he's, a, he's a captain uh, and the leader of that team. If SC can kind of contain him, uh, they're going to have a good shot at winning against Oregon State. And then with Stanford, uh, you know, Oscar Da Silva, in my opinion, he's, he's making his case for the Pac-12 player of the year. Uh, he's a senior, been in the Stanford system for four years now. Um, you know, he's a great post player, crashes the boards. Uh, 
Oscar De Silva versus Evan Mobley is going to be a fantastic matchup to watch. It's, I think we've it, put that off long enough, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That needs to happen, and it's going to happen. But but he's the guy. He's their leading scorer, and and, and their heart and soul. So that's and he had the, the game winner the other Stanford. night, right? Yeah, yeah. With point so, eight seconds left, he he's their go to guy through and through. Yeah, I just wanted to ask you about that. Uh, you know, just for for anyone who hasn't gotten to to see those two teams because. Uh, especially with Stanford, it's been kind of uh, up and down with, with when they've actually played. So um, it's just good to be familiar with uh, who on the other team is, uh, is, is maybe going to be the, the biggest threat against USC. I think that's going to do it for the podcast for this week. Uh, I, I think we'll, we'll, make this a, we'll make this a tradition just in case we have anybody uh, new coming into the show this week. Chris, do you want to tell everyone where they can find you? Yeah, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, the handle is C. Penrose, number one, number zero. Yeah, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at uh, A-I-D-A-N-B-E-R-G underscore. That's going to do it for this week. USC has a bunch of uh, important games, very much so coming up. Uh, got a home stretch, as we said, that they really need to, to clean through. So we will, we will see how they play through this stretch, and we will be back next week to talk about it. Uh, but until then, thank you for listening. Fight on. Fight on. Oh, 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 oh,